Hi there, my friends, and welcome to the Brent Poland Podcast with me, Brent, where I get to have a discussion, debate, internal thoughts about the human condition, meaning of life, the past, the present, and the future, and generally, whatever takes my fancy. Hi there, my friends, and welcome to this edition of Brent Poland's Podcast with me, Brent. Today, inspired by a poster I keep looking at every time I go into my classroom on my door and it says, not all heroes wear capes, we thank you. And it has a picture of our NHS and also has a picture of mathematicians and a picture of just normal everyday people um, doing their jobs. And it was obviously produced during the start of the first lockdown. I'm actually looking at it here. And it was one of the activity sheets for children to colour in. And, and I remember giving these out to, to kids on a Friday afternoon, about a month into the first lockdown. And and they were colouring in lots of these really good um, sheets, the rainbows and stuff that appeared outside people's homes and we saw you know the clap for our, our care workers and the clap for our nhs and and we, we see a lot of we've seen a lot of houses with rainbow signs outside it, it was lovely it was amazing and it was really good that time that, that that early days of the of the pandemic when you know our postman was getting a pat on the back well a socially distant one at that and our bin men were getting praised and 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 equally, all those people out there doing a job and were were getting well done, you and especially our our medical professionals who were pulling a shift in, and and they have through the whole pandemic and and that 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 narrative that story that that it is so true of those individuals who heroically stepped up and they are our soldiers in this war. So every day I go in, I see that and it reminds me and it puts brings a smile to my face. It also brings some memories of the, the first lockdown, which seems like an age away. And of course, you know, we've had Captain Sir Tom uh, Moore, who, who was a hero in himself, double hero, in fact, a hero of a war, and then a selfless hero who then uh, raised money for the NHS. And there's a connection between the two there, obviously. Um, something I always teach a lot about it in, in history is heroes and villains, and this interpretation of the difference between heroes and villains. And it's one of my favorite sort of topics because it opens itself up nicely to you know historical interpretation of by what criteria do you judge a hero and we all have different criteria for what we judge heroic to be um, but there's a certain set standard and and the words like brave noble um heroic which <laughs> can't say hero either heroic selfless um you know brilliant amazing intelligent um team players there's so many sort of things that you could say about somebody being a hero, an unsung hero. We've got so many different words to go with hero, like an unsung hero, a sporting hero, a fictional hero, a classical hero, working class hero. I mean, that one was very prominent for me growing up because there were a lot of working class heroes where I grew up. And there are, to my eyes, still a lot of working class heroes. I think John Lennon did a song about that. Again, he's one of my father's heroes, along with Freddie Mercury, um, who is, is probably a hero of mine as well, because he was just such a talented artist. And I have lots of heroes that I look up to, um, you know, my civil rights heroes, um, but the sporting heroes. Ronnie Whelan was my sporting hero, um, Republic of Ireland and Liverpool footballer, mainly because he was such a hard grafter. He was never the most skillful player, although he scored one of the most amazing goals in 1988 against Dasai, who was the Russian goalkeeper, who was the best goalkeeper in the world. 
and Mick McCarthy throws the ball in and Ronnie Whelan does a bicycle kick from outside the box. It was just amazing. Um, of course, Ray Houghton popped up in that uh, European Championships and scored a goal in Stuttgart after two minutes, which then brings me to, sadly, the passing of a great English and Irish hero, which is one of the one of the people we share, is, is Jack Charlton. Oh, my word, Jack Charlton. Man, he's such a colossus to to his adopted country and and sadly this year he passed and and there's a fantastic movie a fantastic documentary about him and i would fully advocate that you you watch the that that recent movie about finding jack and it just the man was just an absolute legend and you know world cup hero for england and then he just takes a ragtag punch of irish footballers to the quarterfinals of the world cup and i never forget you know, the penalty shootout against Romania, Packy Bonner. And and as a, a young lad, a young teenager, that just those he they would he well, they're heroes to this day, you know, and and every country has its sporting heroes, it has its it has its national heroes, which they have, you know, heroes of old, your Greek heroes, your three hundred Spartans and Achilles and Hector. I mean, as a Celt, I grew up on the Celtic mythology of the hero of Kuhulan. And my primary school was dominated by that. My primary school teacher was obsessed with Celtic folklore. Fionn McCool, as we Fionn McCool, and the, the, and the Fianna and the Red Branch Knights and, and the mythical warriors who defended Ireland from the Vikings. And, and that sparked still this deep imagination. And I would say to this day, I, I, I have a deep respect for those classical heroes and those those mythical heroes of all different sort of religions and 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 countries because you know we all have every culture every culture around the world has its heroes it's just ingrained in the human psyche it's part of our human condition that we have uh, we elevate people to that status and yeah you know many of them deserve that status um, but one of my bugbears regarding you know, historical memory, is the unsung hero. And for me, there are so many unsung heroes out there. And, and that's why I love being an educator of historical um, history, history basically, because uncovering these people, and every once in a while, you know, society catches up and uncovers them as well. Like Alan Turing, Alan Turing, you know, the man helped win World War II. His, his achievements are stunning. You know, father of the computer age in many aspects. But the Battle of Kursk, the biggest, biggest tank battle in history between the Soviet Union and the Germans, would not have been won if the British hadn't cracked the code, if Turing hadn't cracked the German code and told the Soviet Union where exactly the Germans were. So many battles, so many, so many pivotal moments in World War II were swung because the intelligence services had the German movements and the German troop movements and the German communications cracked. And yet, for 70-odd years, he was practically just forgotten. Rosa Parks. I mean, people always go for Dr. King. And Dr. King, I know, is a flawed hero, like many of our heroes, like Gandhi's a flawed hero. You know, uh, when you find out more about these people, you realise that they're human beings and human beings are flawed. And, and Dr. King was flawed. Gandhi was flawed. Mother Teresa was deeply flawed. But then you look at them on balance and you look at their achievements and you look at the good that they did and outweigh Mandela was flawed. You know, Mandela was a young man, was a, you know, a, a deeply aggressive individual who used violence and then turned to peaceful methods. Uh, we have that with many, many, many individuals in, in the Northern Ireland peace process 
who were in exactly the same situation, who then rejected violence and then became, you know, heroes of peace. And, and that was both the likes of Martin McGuinness on the one hand, sitting in government with the Reverend Ian Paisley. <laughs> Phenomenal. Absolutely. In my lifetime, to have those two sitting in government, I mean, wow. That's just... And that's the thing. People can change. Heroes can change. Heroes can change a lot. And they can they can go from being hero to villain to villain to hero. And, and we see that so much. But the likes of Rosa Parks, because she was a woman, was never given hero status until the context of the world changed. And now, you know, she's been recognised. And the same maturing. Um, we see that with so many individuals that are discovered as heroes well after their deaths. And they're the, the true unsung heroes. And for me in history, there is a group of people who were always consistently forgotten. The real unsung heroes. And there were two groups, really two groups, women. Um, we only hear from Cleopatra and Elizabeth and, and Bloody Mary when they've done something at that level. We never hear about the ordinary women. And one of the things I love to study about, say, for instance, the Second and First World War is the contribution of women made to winning the war. And on the 11th, November the 11th, you know, people celebrate and they, com- and they commemorate uh, the forces, that the men that go off in the fight and, and die. And I say men and children, and I'll come to that in a minute. But they forget. It, it was a war effort, and it was fought by the people. And in particular, World War I, again, relative, relatively recently, Women actually fought in World War One. There was eighty thousand women in, and they didn't fight in the front line, but they were in the army. And then we have, you know, there was actually one woman who who did actually fight a journalist who, for ten days, disguised herself as a man and was in the front line until she confessed that she was a, a woman, and she was sent home in disgrace and told never to speak of it. And um, but women did step up. Women stepped into the factories. The Germans didn't do that. German women were at home and they weren't allowed to, but British women stepped in, stepped into the factory, stepped into the fields, stepped into the male jobs. The British home front didn't collapse in World War I because the women at home kept the country going. That's why there's Mother's Day, because it was the women at home that kept the country going. But what happened after the war? Nothing. Back out of the factory, back into the homes. Some things changed, yes. You know, there was the vote, for only a certain group of women, of course, until the franchise was widened. But primarily speaking, in both world wars, women stepped in, stepped up and did the job. And yet, it's easy forgotten. My grandfather in the Merchant Navy, easy forgotten. The Royal Navy, yes. The convoys, yes. But my grandfather was helping keeping the country supplied. Ordinary people stepped up and became heroes. Ordinary people always step up and be heroes. Ordinary people are stepping up now and are being heroes. But they never get the credit. There's heroes in history, like Peter Lou, the people of St. Peter's Field in Manchester, 50,000 them gathered. They marched for rights and they were mowed down by their own army. And that history has been buried until relatively recently, 200 years. The Peter Lou massacre. Because they're working class, they're normal people, and they stood for their rights. Pentridge in Derbyshire was the last armed revolt in this country. Forgotten history. Forgotten history. Wellington, at the same time, had an army full of peasants that he called scum of the earth. Scum of the earth, he called them, but his scum of the earth. 
the ordinary man bled in the battlefield of Waterloo. The ordinary men of all of the empire. Wellington himself was an Irishman. And yet, there he is in London with his statue, the Iron Duke, taking all the credit. But did he actually deserve that credit? Well, that's what history does, doesn't it? Gives the credit to Elizabeth instead of her sailors. How did she treat her sailors? Well, half of them are dead six months after defeating the Spanish Armada. She put some of them in prison, never paid them, treated them as expendable. The cannon fodder, as they were. And that's been one of my sad revelations when I read through history of Churchill gets the credit for World War II, Elizabeth gets the credit for the Spanish Armada, William the Conqueror gets the credit for the Battle of Hastings. We focus on the achievements of the one and we forget that the actual heroes are sometimes the ordinary everyday people. And that is unfortunate because that's the story that's never always been told because, of course, they say history's written by the winners. But always a certain group of people have chosen their heroes for us, chosen the heroes that they think they we want to know about. But in fact, when you think about it, I'd like to know about the ordinary everyday heroes because they are us. They are us because every person's got it within their heart and within their soul to be a hero. My hero, my father, every person I ask. I asked a lot of people recently when before I did this podcast, who's the hero? And the top answer was a father, a mother, an uncle, an aunt, a grandparent, a sibling. <laughs> when it comes down to it, our heroes are the people who are closest to us. They are the people who keep us safe. They are the people who look after us. I mean, it may have been she in many ways. I think every one of us is a hero. She says that everybody is a hero in their own story if they just look, you know. And for me, a hero is somebody who goes out and does their best. I mean, Christopher Reeve, who played Superman, he said, a hero is an ordinary individual who finds the strength to persevere and endure in spite of overwhelming obstacles. Ordinary everyday life, people have to sometimes endure, sometimes have to step up, step in. They won't get a medal for it, but actually they muck out and they're just ordinary everyday heroes. I mean, Grandpa Max Tennyson from Ben 10, the cartoon. I love this one. Yeah, Ben 10, the cartoon. Sometimes, you know, you get great things from children's children's books and you get them from children's cartoons. Um, being a hero isn't about letting others know that you did the right thing. It's about you knowing you did the right thing. About knowing you did the right thing. A lot of people out there are heroes, but they don't. They don't get a song and dance about it. They don't want the credit for it. That's one of the qualities of being a hero. One of the qualities of being a hero is being there. One of the qualities of being a hero is just doing the right thing and not taking the credit for it, but quite the opposite. And that's that's the thing about the world that we live in. We elevate some people to hero status and maybe they don't deserve it. And the false prophets of those heroes and yet there are heroes all around us that we ignore because it's just not feasible and it's just not politically, I suppose, expedient. And it doesn't tell the narrative for the story that fits those guys in charge of the country want us to tell about. And that does mean that over time we discover these heroes, we discover who these people are. 
and we then wonder why we don't hear about them and we want to change that history but then there's always those that no you leave my hero alone i was always told he was a hero and there's always that narrative of those who, whose hero is a villain and whose villain is a hero. And we saw that in America with the statues, the Civil War statues, where we have a general who's a hero to the Confederacy, but who is, you know, and was an advocate of slavery. I mean, I grew up with that. I grew up with one man's hero is another man's soldier and one man's soldier is another man's, you know, terrorist. And, 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 and you, you get that sense of heroes and villains. I mean, I love my fictional villains. I mean, Darth Vader, I love my Star Wars. But how do I quantify Star Wars? How do I quantify Darth Vader? Okay, he's young Anakin Skywalker, he's a hero. Then he turns to the dark side, then he's a villain. And then he kills the Emperor and becomes a hero again. So what is he? Then you have to identify and say, well, at different times of his life, he's, he's a different hero, isn't he? And that's complicated. I'm trying to teach that to my five-year-old. I showed her recently the, the whole Star Wars catalogue. <laughs> Lockdown's been busy. And we got to the point where Anakin Skywalker turns to the dark side and it breaks her heart. You know, Anakin, Anakin's evil. Daddy, Anakin's evil. I'm trying to explain it to her five-year-old. Yes, he's turned to the dark side. And she was shocked, which for me kind of replicated the kind of moment of finding out that Darth Vader was, was Luke Skywalker's father. That moment that you're like, no, what? And my daughter had that revelation of, you know, her hero had fallen to villainy. And then when I showed her the, the rest of the catalogue through to the fact that Anakin becomes good, her face lit up like a Christmas tree. And he, he's good again. Yes, he's good again. He's, he's back. He's, he's been a good guy again. And, and our literature, our movies, our culture is riddled with that type of narrative. I love my Rocky movies. I love my Rocky hero. The working class hero. The gritty hero. The rags to riches, then back to rags again. I mean, I love my gladiator. You know, the man was a general and then was reduced to being a slave and then becomes a hero again. I mean, we love those stories. Those stories of enlightened mankind for thousands of thousands of years. We love our anti-hero. I, I love my my Wolverine. You know, I, lo I love I love the guy who's like the hero, but you don't like the Han Solo. You know what I mean? The rogue, the the kind of like roguish hero, the rough around the edges hero, and they do exist in the world as well. I mean, this is why our writers they take inspiration from our historical context. But for me, some of the heroes are the people who do extraordinary things. Dithpran. I love Dithpran, the story of Dithpran, the Cambodian survivor who inspired the killing fields. I hopefully will be able to take a group of students over to the Cambodia to visit the killing fields and to see what happened there. And, and again, that was a, a photographer for a Western um, newspaper who survived the killing fields and turned it into a story and then told the world that story. Hacksaw Ridge, oh, private Desmond T. Doss, I mean, Hacksaw Ridge gets me every time. He saved 75 men and dragged them off a clifftop. He was a, a non-violent man who joined an army. Okay. And wanted to, wanted to serve his country but not kill people for, for his religious reasons. He was bullied incessantly for it. And he dragged 75 men off a hillside in Okinawa, injured. And there's one scene in the movie... I love my research about things like this. It's really, it's astounding. It's like, it's like researching Saving Private Ryan as well. And movies like that, and you go, wow. You know, there are veterans that go to these movies and they watch them and they go, 
this is this is what it's like. But in Hacksaw Ridge, there was one scene where they they put him on a stretcher and and he's carried away in a stretcher. In reality, in real world, he crawled two hundred and seventy five meters, injured to safety. But the director turns and says, "I have to change this scene because it's not believable. It wasn't believable." That this man saved 75 others and then he had to crawl to safety himself. And the director thought, people can't believe that this man did this. And what did he do afterwards? He didn't want to sell his story. He didn't want to make any money from it. And he's, the, the, the documentary on that is, is, is beautiful. He, he keeps repeating the same phrase. If I could just save one more. If I could just save one more. That is just heroism selfless that is in a nutshell the best there that you can't do you can't get any better than that that's literally the the most heroic one of the most heroic stories i think i've ever come across is is that because he was so wrong and what drove him was yes his christian faith and and you do get within religions you do get historical you know and religious heroes i mean and i'm not being controversial about it i am a person of some faith and i do look at Oscar Romero, you know, Oscar Romero stood up against the Junta in 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 um, El Salvador, and he spoke out against poverty. He spoke out against extremism on both sides. He spoke out against the right wing government backed by the Americans who were executing and black bagging people, and he executed him in the middle of a church service. They went into a church service, and they shot him dead. And he, he, he was warned. He was told, you must stop this. We're, we're coming for you. Did he stop? No. That's a martyr. And that's martyrdom. Some people seek martyrdom. In 1916, the Irish rebels knew that they were going to die. Knew that they were going to die. They knew they were signing their death warrants. But they still, they still stood up against the British Empire. The biggest empire in the world of its day. Because they sacrificed themselves. They knew by their sacrifice that it would ignite rebellion. Now, that's controversial because to some people, you know, they were rebels to all, and, and dis- disgusting rebels because they, you know, 250,000 Irishmen were over fighting over in the, in the Somme and Passchendaele, while 1,500 were in Dublin fighting against the British Empire. And it's completely ironic that Irish history now judges the her- heroes to have been the original villains because the people of Dublin spat on these rebels. How dare you do this? How dare you ruin our city? But within a month... Because they'd been martyred, because they'd been killed. One of them, obviously, been strapped to a wheelchair because he was injured, was shot in a wheelchair. That turned the mood. That turned the mood from villains to heroes. And yet, one of the tragedies of that is the 250,000 Irishmen who fought bravely on the Somme and on Passchendaele and Ypres, spilling blood for the British Empire, were conveniently forgotten by both sides. That selective amnesia. Had they, I studied a lot of that. Actually, it's one of the specialisms that I studied with at university. And I've been to Passchendaele. I've been to the, um, the Island of Ireland Peace Park. And I've been to the graves of both sides, the 36th Ulster, the Loyalists' side. And they stood side by side, they died side by side, and how history was forgotten, and how that bond was forgotten and lost. But those men died in the same trenches. And then it was politicised. And then one on one side claimed, and the other side forgotten. And that's the tragedy of heroes that were never never recognized and forgotten in history and and you get that a lot on the battlefield you know the hierarchy of death the convenient and inconvenient how some are remembered and how some are forgotten 
Um, and, and that's, for me, it is one of the tragedies of not just the war, is who gets the medals and who doesn't get the medals and who's conveniently forgotten in the war. I mean, when you go to Langemark, a German cemetery on, on the Western Front, you see a very different remembrance. Their soldiers, those German soldiers in World War One, were never remembered. Their, their, their graveyards are hardly tendered to. It's a massive difference. I visited the, um, the where the third best fighter pilot ace who died in World War One is buried, and he's buried in a pit of 20,000 people, and the only recognition he has is that his name is just on a slab of black granite. Um, and it's his own side and the British side, when he was shot down by the British, they handed his body back posthumously to the British and gave him a guard of honour in, in mark of respect that a fallen warrior only for his body to be dumped into a pit and then forgotten pretty much again by history. And that's what happens, doesn't it, with the whole winning side and the losing side, is that the heroism by the losing side is also forgotten. And, and that, again, is unfortunate because that's not fair, because a hero is a hero. It shouldn't matter what side they're on because brave and noble people are still brave and noble people. But that's what we do in history. We elevate and then we knock down and that leads to the controversy and that leads to people's identity claiming that person and then rejecting the other which is part of our problem at the moment we also have a problem with our children and our children are heroes i think our children are fantastic children have always been heroes from david in the bible the youngest soldier to die in the first world war was 14 i teach 14 year olds one of the most powerful things i've ever done is take 14 and 15 year olds to the graves of 14 and 15 year olds over in the battlefields. And I'll never forget, a 15 year old girl had a little cross, a little cross with the, the, the poppy on it. And we were in uh, Windhoek, one of the, I think it's 10,000 people in, I um, can't pronounce it, some, I can't even pronounce it, oh, the Belgian cemeteries. And a uh, 15 year old boy, um, Scottish regiment, and she's kneeled down beside it and she was sobbing unconsolably. And she just looked at me and went, he's 15, I'm 15, what was he doing here? Why was he fighting? And, and literally this child just looked at me and I had no answers for her. The youngest soldier to die was 14. The youngest soldier to fight in the war was 13. The youngest to join up was 12. The 13-year-old was sent home when they discovered his age, but he was actually fighting for a couple of months until he was discovered. The youngest soldier to die is John Condon from Waterford in Ireland. But it's disputed because there's another soldier. We don't know his age. There's a, there's a lot of evidence back and forward to say he was 14. Some say he was 18. But there's definitely a soldier in Essex Farm Cemetery in Ypres. In the same cemetery as William McRae who did the... Um, John McRae, the, uh, the poem in Flanders Field. A very famous grave of uh, a boy called V.J. Strudwick. And um, one of the most visited graves in the Western Front. And he was 15. He was 15. And 250,000 under 18s fought in World War I. 250,000. And yet now, the equivalent of our children now, they go out on climate change strikes and they get criticised. There's a young lad, you know, who's down in um, a tunnel protesting against high-speed rail and protesting against climate change. And they're getting rounded upon. How can this child be under? How can this child be in a tunnel? How can this child? And his father turned around. His father said, "Well, he's sixteen years old. He could join the army at 16. And he was rounded on. How dare he? How dare he? How can look after his child like that? 
and and you sort of have to remind people yeah, you work with young people young people were fighting in wars young people fighting wars all the time i mean that's what young people do the average age of a soldier in the in vietnam was 19 and in fact there is the whole war of poetry that about the young brave noble you know young people are so brave and noble and fearless and sometimes they go into the meat grinder don't they and, and yet we criticize them but it's always been the young that have done the fighting it's always been the young it's always has the wars have always been the young and it's, it's heartbreaking when you see the graves it's heartbreaking when you see the loss of potential the loss of potential of, of all those young lives so being a hero well it's complicated isn't it it's all down to the perception there are people now who are probably heroes and their stories might be told in 70 or 80 years time um, and there are people who are heroes who know they're heroes as well and maybe they they like being heroes but as Chadwick Boseman the 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 guy behind a comic book hero who sadly passed recently says the only difference between the hero and the villain is that the villain chooses to use that power in a way that is selfish and hurts other people Mary Maya Angelou, who's an American poet uh, and civil rights activist. I think a hero is any person intent on making this a better place for all people. Morgan Freeman. But Dr. Martin Luther King is not a black hero. He's an American hero. I mean, that's, you know, it doesn't matter. I can recognise heroes on all sides because a hero is still a hero because they're brave and they're noble and they're selfless and they're the best of humanity I'll leave you with this one this is uh, Jennifer Connelly about I'd say a lot of people's heroes my age and it's apt that I end with this because it ends on that song We Could Be Heroes um, for just one day and it reminds me a lot of the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games in 2012 that beautiful opening ceremony when we saw our NHS heroes we saw Great Ormond Street we saw all the best of the heroes that these islands could produce. It was beautiful, wasn't it? It was absolutely beautiful. And she says, I met David Bowie when I was 14 and he became a hero to me because he was an artist and because he was a genius. He had the time to be kind. I'd never met such an extraordinary artist before and I haven't since. The world would be a greater place without him. And maybe it is. And that's from Jennifer Connelly, the actress who starred alongside him in that fantastic cult classic The Labyrinth and that's when she met her hero at 14 David Bowie who with himself wrote the song which I think is a nice way to end we could be heroes if just for one day I'd like to say thank you to all those heroes out there all those people that are doing a job and all those people that are selfless and all those people that make our world a better place and all those people fighting for what they believe in and fighting for the right causes and what they believe in I say thank you. Thank you, my friends, for listening and be safe. Thanks for listening, my friends. And if you enjoyed what you heard, then please like, share and subscribe. And any feedback that you can give me would be more than appreciated. <laughs> Teachers love feedback. You can find me on Twitter at BrentPoland1. You can find me on YouTube at BrentPoland1. Funny enough, Instagram, my account is BrentPoland1. However, my Facebook is my local Arrowwash Green Party, and that is Arrowwash Green on Facebook. Thank you again, my friends.